This Sunday, um, not only because we know Pastor Tim, um, or that we go to an EFCA church uh, out in the suburbs, um, but we also love this neighborhood and community. My wife went to DePaul back in the day, so we're you know we feel right at home. It's a joy to be with you guys this morning. Um, like Tim said, I serve with a missions organization called Leadership Resources. We train pastors. Really, what we do is incredibly simple, but kind of one of the most important things: training pastors to read the Bible so they can preach it. And there was a pastor uh, a few years ago who lived in a country that, you know, prosperity got, the prosperity gospel has had a, a huge impact on, and he ministered it kind of in the shadows of a major prosperity church. And his style of preaching, he would have described it as, I'm a spirit preacher. It's like, I don't prepare, I just get up on Sunday, and anything that comes to my, into my head, I think that's from the spirit, and that's what I preach. Um, he came to our training uh, one Sunday, or one, one day, and our first principle that we teach in training is that when we preach, we need to stay on the line of God's word. That's, don't add to God's word, don't take away from God's word, be precise in communicating exactly what God is saying with his intention. Um, and that principle was a 180 degree turn for his ministry. Um, although he said, you know, he began preaching the word straight through books of the Bible, and he said his church was actually decreasing in numbers because people liked his old style of preaching. Uh, so that worried us a little bit. Um, you know, we worried, you know, when we see Pastor John in six months, is he going to still be preaching the word? Uh, and so our, our guy went back and he asked him, hey, John, how's ministry going? You still preaching the word? What's going on? We know there's a temptation to, you know, to do other things. And he's like, yes, I'm still preaching the word. And our church is actually growing again not with people who wanted to hear, you know, the ear-scratching prosperity gospel stuff, but people are actually being born again because they're hearing the word of God and it, they're understanding the gospel. And it's just a beautiful thing to be part of a ministry, um, a ministry that God is doing around the world through his word. Um, so I'm grateful to be a part of that um, and excited to be here today and open up Ephesians 6 with you guys. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you and you could turn to Ephesians 6, that would be great. Um, one time, one of my colleagues from uh, our ministry who trains pastors in Africa told me a story that surprised me. People all over the world generally are very encouraged with our training and they understand God's word deeper. They say, I'm practically equipped to preach God's word now after taking this training. But he said one time after training pastors in Africa, they said they were very disappointed kind of as a shock to me. Um, that disappointment came uh, at the end of our training in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we always end each training with a sermon on the last passage of a book to kind of wrap the book up uh, and encourage the pastors as they go. Um, and in Ephesians, the last passage is the famous Armor of God passage. And so I can only imagine that these African leaders were expecting great insights on how to fight the spiritual war. Uh, and in their context, maybe they wanted to learn, you know, how can I call down fire from heaven upon the witch doctor across town? Or how can I raise the dead uh, to really show God's power? Or um, how can I cast out demons and have authority in that way? Um, I, I can only imagine they wanted a certain type of spiritual power, right? And I don't tell this story to uh, talk bad about our African brothers and sisters, 
Um, no, because I think a lot of times we want some special spiritual power, uh, almost a spiritual easy button to overcome some of our challenges. Uh, but really what, Ephes- what God wants us to realize and Ephesians wants us to realize is that most of the time, spiritual warfare is like completely ordinary and simple. Um, what I mean by this, uh, in his very ordinary ways, God advances his kingdom and uh, warfare uh, spiritual warfare is fought. And we see this in the structure of the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters focus on our new identity in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you are saved by grace through faith, and you may, are made part of the body of Christ, the church. Second part, chapters 4 through 6, describe how a redeemed person lives in the world, in the church, in marriage, in family, and at work. Very ordinary places for all of us. In the last passage, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, the armor of God passage, says that we fight the spiritual battle with things that are ordinary. We fight with faith, believing God and his promises. We fight uh, remembering the truth of God's word. We fight living righteous lives, living the way God wants us to live. We fight with the word of God and with prayer. It doesn't mention some of these spiritual powers we sometimes think of or want because we mainly fight the spiritual war in ordinary ways. Uh, We fight by remembering who we are in Christ when the enemy whispers lies into our ear. That's spiritual warfare. We fight maintaining unity in the church if there's a discussion or an argument because that is near and dear to the heart of God, as it says in Ephesians 4. Uh, We fight by living as children of the light in a world of darkness. We fight by living faithfully to our spouses and as good fathers and mothers to our children. Uh, We fight against sin in our lives. Uh, And this message for African pastors was disappointing. (laughs) It was disappointing. And I think for some of us, it can be disappointing too. Um, But I have an important question for us. Should God's word ever be disappointing? Or is it possible that if we are disappointed, we're understanding God's word wrong? We're misunderstanding what God really wants us to know about spiritual warfare and where true spiritual power comes from. I think it's the latter. I think it's a misunderstanding. Um, And talking about spiritual warfare today may seem a little far-fetched. I mean, we live in a pretty scientific and technological age. Uh, Talking about angels and demons and major spiritual struggles seems real far off, but I don't think it is. Um, We can all see, even turning on the news, keeping up with the news, we can all see there are major battles for good and evil in the world. Uh, We long for justice when injustice occurs. We long for violence and oppression to stop in this world. We long for people to stop embracing dangerous ideologies, and we want them to treat each other fairly and in love. And there are spiritual forces at work behind so many of the things that Uh, we hear about day to day. Uh, As we know from Scripture, the spiritual war doesn't start in Ephesians. It started before creation when the devil rebelled against God. And from that event forward, the devil's desire to destroy the plans of God for humanity. Um, And in Genesis 3, the devil tempted the first man and woman uh, to rebel against God by eating the forbidden fruit. And this sin has permeated all the world and every descendant of them since, including all of us here today. 
Uh, and scripture says that our sin deserves punishment from a holy and perfect God, and that the penalty is death. So if we just look at Genesis 3 and forget what comes after, it appears that you know, Satan won, right? Satan uh, twisted God's plans for his creation. But looking at the rest of the Bible, we know that God, since the beginning, had a plan to save the world in his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and God sent his son to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and he rose from the dead with power to prove his authority over this broken creation, to prove his authority over the enemy and his victory in the spiritual war. And as Romans 5, 8, and 9 says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. When we believe in Christ, we realize for the first time maybe that our whole lives have been in a spiritual war. A spiritual war against the devil and his demons. A spiritual war against our own flesh, even. And the passage we'll look at today, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, is going to help us understand more how do we fight the spiritual battle, specifically in prayer. I'm going to read the whole Armor of God passage from uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, but this message will focus on the last three verses. So Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, let me quickly pray for the Lord's help this morning. Lord, we thank you for your powerful word and ask that you would minister to us this morning through it and further equip us uh, by your spirit to uh, fight the good fight of faith, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and it's interesting to see, looking at the Armor of God passage, that most of the pieces of the Armor of God just get a few words, while prayer gets three entire verses. Uh, even though it doesn't have a visual image like a shield or a sword, prayer is integral to the spiritual battle. Uh, and in this message, we're going to look at three characteristics of prayer that fights against the enemy and advances the gospel of Christ in this world. And the first characteristic of warfare prayer is that warfare prayer or prayers are prayers in the spirit. 
See that in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Makes sense if we're fighting a battle against spiritual enemies, we need spiritual help from God. Uh, Verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So according to that verse, where does the power come from? It comes from God, not from, from ourselves. What then is this prayer in the Spirit? Um, the Bible doesn't really give us an exact definition. And I used to think it was something kind of complicated, like a spiritual Rubik's Cube. You know, if I only can arrange my spiritual life in such a way, then I'll pray in the Spirit with a special power. Uh, but I think it's actually a lot simpler than that. And there's a definition that theologian J.I. Packer gives that has helped me understand prayer in the Spirit. He said, Prayer in the Spirit is prayer from the heart, springing from awareness of God, of self, of others, of needs, and of Christ. Whether it comes forth verbalized, as in the prayers and praises recorded in Scripture, or unverbalized, is immaterial. And I like his last line. He says, He or she whose heart seeks God through Christ prays in the Spirit. So if we agree with this definition, we don't need to worry that much if we're praying in the Spirit or not, as if uh, an indicator light is going to blink when we finally connected with the Spirit in our prayers. No, I think we only need to pray. We need to trust that God hears us through Christ. We need to align our hearts with his purposes in the world as revealed in his word. Sometimes we're going to feel the Spirit's presence and power moving us in prayer. Sometimes we're not. Um, That's okay. The most important thing we need to do is dedicate ourselves to the Lord and to prayer. Um, The Lord will will help us. I have two applications for this point. Um, And the first application I'm actually going to introduce with a question. How many of you have said at one point or another in your Christian life, I want to be a prayer warrior? Raise your hand if you've ever said that or thought that. Amen. Hope we can all be prayer warriors um, that do a lot of, a lot of good spiritually. Um, another question. What good are warriors without their swords? Not a lot of good. If you want to go to battle, it's kind of the one thing you're going to need to remember, right? And so as believers, what's, what's our sword? The word. The sword of the spirit. So that's the first application, is that we need to bring our swords into battle. Uh, We need to know our Bibles. We need to pray the Bible. We need to remember uh, what God teaches in the Bible and ask for God's help to live that out and to truly believe it. Um, And more specifically, we can pray the prayers of the Bible, the prayers that the Holy Spirit inspired. And Ephesians is a great book for Spirit-inspired prayers. If you look at Ephesians 1, 15-23, and Ephesians 3, 14-21, a couple of the most beautiful prayers in the entire Bible that we can really mold our prayer lives around and learn from. Um, and I also recommend studying the Psalms and following the pattern of the psalmist in prayer uh, because the Spirit inspired those Psalms. And the more we study the Word of God and pray the prayers of the Spirit, the easier it's going to be to pray in the Spirit. And the second application point I have for this point of praying in the Spirit is that we need to take time to pray in the Spirit. Uh, Many of us want to pray in the Spirit, we just don't give ourselves enough time in prayer for the Spirit to come and help us. Uh, I'll confess that sometimes in the morning I'll, you know, read my Bible, I'll get ready to pray, and, you know, at the end of a prayer time I'll realize 
I was thinking about something else that entire time. <laughs> was I even really praying? Um, or maybe our small groups, you know, we'll have a great discussion, have a lot of good time catching up with friends, but then, you know, time goes and we just, you know, close our time in a, in a very short prayer and don't really take time to seek God as a group together uh, for great things. Um, I think many times when we start to pray, uh, we, can, we can finish too early before the Spirit comes to help. Um, that's what the, the Puritans used to say. They said, uh, we need to pray until we pray. Sometimes it takes a little while to get warmed up in prayer. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but we need time to start the motor of prayer so we can connect with God and pray in the Spirit. And then when the motor is running and the Spirit is helping us more and more, um, we're going to pray for things that we never would have prayed for before with a special power. I'm not trying to say there's some mechanical formula, you know, set your alarm at minute 15, the Lord is going to come, the Spirit's just going to totally blow your prayer life, uh, and do amazing things. But what I am saying is that we need to take time to work hard in prayer and to seek the face of our God. And if you believe in Christ, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and wants to help you pray. So don't focus your attention on, you know, is the Spirit present or not when you pray. Focus on the glory of Christ. Focus on everything He's done for us. And pray with all your heart, because God will help you. So that's point one. Uh, characteristic number two of warfare prayers is that warfare prayers are comprehensive. You see that in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. If you look with me, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In this passage, Paul mentions the word all four times. We're going to walk through each of those alls and see what they mean for us in terms of spiritual warfare and prayer. So the first one is praying at all times. Uh, there's no pause button for the spiritual war that we're in. You know, it's not like the devil has vacation days that are going to expire that he needs to use up, and so we get a couple free days uh, where there's not a spiritual war going on. So we need to pray at all times. Maybe there's someone here thinking, you know, Kevin, I know that the Bible says we're supposed to pray at all times, but that's impossible, right? I mean, I, have, I work, I spend time with my girlfriend or my wife, you know, I try and spend time with my kids or doing work around the house, I, I try and sleep. I can't pray when I sleep. Um, I think it can be a temptation to think that way and to focus on that. Um, think, you know, it's impossible to fulfill this command perfectly, so I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not even going to try and apply it to my life. Um, I, I think it's helpful if we remember a couple things on this point. Uh, first, God is not going to command something that's impossible. You know, if he wants us to obey it in a certain way, he's going to give us the power and ability to obey him. Maybe we won't be praying words to God every second of every day, but I think we can live in a spirit of prayer, constantly remembering his presence, constantly praying to him whenever possible. And really, instead of debating whether you know it's possible to pray at all times or not, I think it's more helpful to focus on the opportunity that is inherent and embedded in this verse. Not everybody has access to God. 
And not everybody in Roscoe Village or in Hoffman Estates where my wife and I live have access to God. But Ephesians 3.12 says that those in Christ have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Christ. That's a pretty big deal, right? We have access to God. Um, and when we're tempted to say something disrespectful to some, one of our superiors or maybe to our spouse, we need to pray at all times because God is always ready and powerful enough to help us. Uh, when work just seems like a huge drag and it's hard to glorify God with our work, we need to pray. When life is just a huge burden for you and you don't know if you can go on, you need to pray at all times. The Lord will help you. Brothers and sisters, this command to pray at all times should encourage us greatly. Uh, we can read pray at all times as if God were saying to us, I am always available to hear you and to help you. So come to me. The second all Paul mentions in this passage is all prayer and supplication. And I take this to mean, along with commentators, that we need to pray all different types of prayer. So easy as a believer just to present to God you know, our grocery list of, you know, this is what I want, Lord. Please help me with it. Um, but really, he wants us to diversify our prayers a little more. Um, and I think, I think the evangelical church today needs to hear this point. Um, when we pray to God, only giving him a list of self-centered prayers, we really treat God in a very impersonal way, kind of like an ATM or like Santa Claus. You know, but Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to call God Father. It's an important relational connection we can't forget. There's a pattern in prayer that's helped me a lot. Perhaps you've heard of it. Um, it's the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. You can also pray the Lord's Prayer, those petitions. That's incredibly helpful in terms of structuring your prayers. But the uh, prayer pattern ACTS is adoration, praising God for his character, for his works, his faithfulness to us, confessing our sins, C, uh, which is really like taking the spiritual trash out of our lives, something we need to do as often as possible. Uh, we can give thanks to God, thanksgiving, that's T, and then supplication. Finally, we can present our request before the Lord, uh, confident that he hears us. Um, as I've thought more on this point of needing to pray uh, a diverse set of prayers, all types of prayer, I've realized that praying one-dimensional, self-centered prayers can actually be bad for us, can actually make our situations worse. Uh, let, let me explain quickly. Um, my wife and I serve at the Spanish ministry of our church, and there was a situation, I can't remember even what it was at this point, but the situation just made me feel super anxious. <laughs> um, so I remembered Philippians 4. Philippians 4 says, you know, pray, and you know, that'll help with your anxiety. You will enter God's peace. I think we all want that. And so I prayed. I prayed. Lord, help us with this situation. And what was the result? I was actually more anxious. Has anybody been there? Prayer has actually made you more anxious? I'm like, come on! What? It's not working, Lord! Um, but I actually, I thought through this situation and realized what I had done wrong. Um, just thinking about my situation, my anxious thoughts, I was really meditating on them. It was like being trapped in a hot car just breathing the same air over and over and over again. You know, it's hard to breathe 
in a situation like that. Uh, and the verse came to mind from Isaiah 55, 7. It says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. And I'd realized, man, I was just meditating on my own thoughts in prayer that whole time. And I need, I need some of God's words <laughs> to inform my prayers and my perspective. And so I grabbed my Bible, started to read, started to meditate on truth, grabbed a pen and a journal, and began to write all of the reasons I had to praise God in that situation. Um, I began to write every sin or bad attitude that I was demonstrating in this situation. I confessed them to God, and I uh, remembered the truth of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I also thought of every possible reason that I had to give thanks to God, even during this anxious situation. What happened? Well, after meditating on God's word, renewing my mind, uh, praying diverse prayers to God, he helped. <laughs> he lifted me out of this dark cloud of anxiety and gave me fresh air of a new perspective. Uh, and I think that's what it means, partially, to pray diverse prayers. Pray all kinds of prayers to God. So the third all in this passage is that we need to pray with all perseverance. Uh, how many of you remember when Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray so they would not fall into temptation in the garden? Uh, who remembers what happened after that? Did they watch and pray? Maybe for like two minutes and then they fell asleep. Uh, and I think that's you know, maybe common to a lot of us because as it says in that verse, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Weak flesh and tiredness can keep us from persevering in prayer. And so can discouragement. You know, maybe you've prayed something years and years and years and years, and it just doesn't seem like God's ever going to answer you. We are called to persevering prayer. Uh, I heard the story recently of a woman who went to visit uh, her home country where her father was dying. Uh, she had prayed for her father for about 20 years that he would be saved, but you know, it looks like time might be running out for him. Uh, and when she arrived at the hospital, she had a really heavy heart because she saw that her dad had lost all the ability to move pretty much. He couldn't speak, and she had no idea how much time he had left, maybe just minutes. Uh, so she invited a pastor to come and share the gospel with her father. And the pastor shared the gospel with her father. Uh, she asked, uh, or he asked the father if he wanted to receive Christ, be forgiven of his sins, um, enter eternity into joy and fellowship with God forever. And the father couldn't really move. They didn't even know if the father could really hear. But the pastor said, if you want to believe in Christ, you know, just move your finger a little bit. And so they looked, and he was moving his finger. And then... Tears came down the father's eyes. He was born again. He believed in Christ. The prayers of his daughter for 20 years weren't in vain. We don't know the mind of our sovereign God, brothers and sisters, but we do know that we need to persevere in prayer like the daughter of this man. Uh, we don't know when or how God may choose to answer our prayers. You know, it could be today, it could be in 20 years, it could be in 200 years, but that should still give us joy. 
In what areas of your life do you need to persevere in prayer? Uh, Maybe a fight against sin. Maybe a bad attitude towards certain people or circumstances in your life. Maybe it's to stay faithful and joyful in Christ during a trial. We are called to pray with all perseverance. And the last all of verse 18 is to pray for all the saints. The spiritual war that we're in is not something we do on our own. We're a body. Um, There's a, a great quote by a theologian, Charles Hodge. He said, No soldier entering battle prays for himself alone. And in like manner, Christians are united as one army, and each must pray for all. One of the most astounding verses in Ephesians is Ephesians 3.10. I don't know if you know it, but if you don't, flip to it. Uh, It's pretty mind-blowing when you really grasp what it's saying. Ephesians 3.10 says that it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So this is saying that the way spiritual powers in the universe will know the wisdom and supremacy of God is not through individuals, is not through even the most special or gifted individual. It's through the gathered body of believers, through the church. So uh, that's a pretty big deal. The church as a body, testifies to the devil and his demons that God is glorious. Because of this, we need to pray to stand firm against the enemy. We need to pray for others that they would stand firm against the enemy because we're one army, the army of the Lord. We need to pray for others to believe the gospel and to fight sin. We need to pray for others to love the church and serve the church as Christ desires because it's a powerful testimony to the entire universe of who God is. We need to pray for uh, our pastors, pray for missionaries, Sunday school teachers, believers who are suffering, the tempted, the sick. We need to pray for all saints. And it's worth highlighting that Paul in verse 19 asked that the Ephesian church would pray for him, uh, which is a reminder of just how important it is to pray for our leaders. Uh, Because Paul also shares in 1 Timothy 3, When he shares the qualifications for leaders, he mentions the devil twice, which just goes to show that the devil loves to attack the church by attacking her leaders. So let's let's be people who pray for our leaders. Pastor Tim said, Amen. Um, And the last characteristic of warfare prayer uh, is that warfare prayer focuses on advancing the gospel. Warfare prayer focuses on advancing the gospel. See this in verses 19 through 20, which I'll read. Paul Paul says, Pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So it's interesting to see what Paul doesn't pray for in this passage. Paul's in jail, says that clearly in verse 20, He is an ambassador in chains. Um, Paul doesn't pray for his liberty. He doesn't pray for comfort in prison. Uh, He doesn't even pray for something bad for his enemies. But Paul wanted more than anything was for the Ephesians to pray for the advance of the gospel. Why? Well, Paul had his mind on eternal things. No matter how things turned out in jail, he knew that everything there would be temporary. 
uh, it'd be uh, foolish for him to be so worried about his own comfort uh, when 10,000 years into eternity, it wouldn't really be a big thought on his mind. Uh, no, Paul wanted all people, even his enemies, to embrace Christ and the gospel. Um, would you guys agree that it's a pretty big deal if you're in a battle and if your enemy just sets down their weapons and becomes a part of your team? <laughs> That's like, that doesn't happen, right? But spiritually, it does happen when people believe in Christ. That's what Paul wanted more than anything. That's going to strengthen his army. That's how the gospel marches forward as we pray to advance the gospel. Um, So how should we pray to advance the gospel? Uh, How can you guys pray with an event coming up here in Roscoe Village to advance the gospel? Well, the New Testament has a lot of answers. So... uh, So read the New Testament, and you'll get a lot of great advice. But we're going to look at two ways Paul shares in this passage from verses 19 and 20. Um, The first thing Paul prays for is boldness. Paul mentions twice in verses 19 and 20 uh, that he wants them to pray that he would be a bold gospel proclaimer. Uh, And I'm on the Spanish or uh, Latin America team for our ministry, so a lot of my uh, teaching and preaching is in Spanish. And one Spanish translation, uh, instead of saying boldness, it says, without fear, sin temor. So if you've ever been fearful in evangelizing, know that Paul is praying here, or Paul is asking for prayer that he wouldn't be fearful. I mean, that's pretty encouraging to me. I mean, I've, I've been uh, fearful in thinking about sharing Christ with others before, especially when I think, you know, maybe that person's going to reject me. But... Paul, the guy who wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, the guy who is the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, the guy who saw the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, Paul asked for prayer that he wouldn't be fearful and that he would be bold in sharing the gospel. Um, That should encourage us. But we shouldn't just be encouraged and just say, oh, everyone's fearful, I can say fearful, it's okay. No. We need to pray that we would be bold too, and we need to go be bold with the gospel. Um, This truth should really drive us to pray for our pastors, pray for gospel proclaimers to be bold in sharing the gospel. Um, And time doesn't permit, but there's a great example in Acts 4 where the uh, apostles, uh, Paul, or no, no, Peter and John were arrested, um, then they were let go. And then they gather as a church and they pray, thinking about the situation that just happened. And they prayed for boldness. A couple of verses later it says, God gave them boldness. And they proclaimed the gospel and great things happened. So pray for boldness, brothers and sisters. Um, the second thing Paul asked them to pray for is clarity. Clarity in what he speaks. He says that words may be given to me as I present the gospel. This encourages me, too, because sometimes I don't feel like I have the right words necessarily to to share in a certain evangelistic situation. But we can pray for clarity. And that's something God wants to answer as well. So as you think about different evangelistic opportunities in your life, different people you want to share the gospel with, pray for boldness and pray for clarity that they would understand uh, without a doubt what God wants them to know. Okay, so to uh, summarize, warfare prayer is prayer in the Spirit. It is comprehensive in its outlook, 
It's a lot of different things we're supposed to pray for. And it also prays to advance the gospel in our churches and in our communities uh, and around the world. As I close this message, I want to warn you about a danger of listening to sermons on prayer. Um, I've listened to a lot of sermons on prayer in my life, and I leave real excited, like, I'm going to go pray. My prayer life is going to change. And sometimes that does happen. Um, And sometimes a few days later, I... Thinking about prayer, thinking about my prayer life, you know, I get discouraged. And that's actually the most discouraging thing for my prayer life, is thinking about my prayer life. Uh, so my encouragement for you guys is don't just turn this message or what you read about prayer into a list of to-dos, into, you know, a legalistic burden that you carry. Uh, but let your main motivation to pray be God and his glory. Think about what Christ has done for you. Think about the, uh, you know, don't focus on your failures. Focus on the one who forgives your failures and the one who never has failed and who will never fail us. And I, I've noticed as I think about that and not my prayer life that I'm, I am amped to pray. Um, so I, I pray that the Lord would use uh, these words in a way to help his gospel advance, for you guys to uh, be equipped in the spiritual battle with your eyes on Christ, who is our commander and the ultimate warrior in the spiritual battle that we're in. So let's pray. Lord, we